Do you feel like you need God's encouragement and wisdom throughout the week to take hold of His promise to fly like an eagle? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Eagles on the Hill. Let's join our host, Pastor Jeff Scheich. Hey, people, I am your host, Pastor Jeff Scheich. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the podcast. We want to encourage you to be inviting friends to be listening, uh, whether it's on various podcast platforms or on YouTube. Uh, Have them listen, follow us, join us as we together follow Jesus and draw strength from him to fly like an eagle. Today's podcast is occasioned by a request from one of our listeners to answer the question, where did Islam come from? Now, uh, just a warning, today we're not going to be talking about individual Muslims necessarily, but we're going to talk about Islam. Where did the religion of Islam come from, and how does it compare and contrast with Christianity? I'm going to add that piece into the question and say it's important for us, if we're going to be flying like eagles, following after our God, that we not just talk about Islam today, but compare and contrast it with Christianity to help us understand our Christian faith and to help us fly like an eagle. All right, so where did Islam come from? Well, if we're going to answer that question, we have to first talk about a guy named Muhammad. Muhammad was born in 570 AD and lived until 632 AD, so he lived 62 years. Uh, The earliest written biography of Muhammad was written in 767 AD, and it has been lost. But it is quoted by others, so we know that it existed at one time. Let's compare that with Jesus. Jesus, of course, lived then almost 600 years before Muhammad, uh, actually 600 years before Muhammad, the earliest biographies we have of Jesus that we know of were written about 30 years after Jesus' death. So compare that, about 30 years after Jesus' death compared to 130 years after Muhammad's death, which ones do you think uh, had more access to the knowledge of who Jesus or Muhammad actually was and what he actually did and said? In addition, uh, interesting that Muhammad has a death date and uh, 632 AD, and he stayed dead. Jesus has a death date of either 30 or 33 AD, and he stayed dead for about three days, and then he rose from the dead. That's the big difference, right? That's what sets Christianity apart from all other religions, is the resurrection of its founder, Jesus. Muhammad, unlike Jesus, Muhammad was married. Jesus was not married. That's neither here nor there, really. But Muhammad married Khadijah, uh, and she died in 620, So when Muhammad was 50 years old, she died. She was uh, older than he was. And uh, after her death, then Muhammad married um, a bunch of other women in succession, not in succession, actually at the same time, uh, but over the course of a few years, married at least 10 other wives. Uh, And so at one point in his life was married to uh, 10 people. Um, That's an estimation. Uh, It's at least 10. And uh, then Muhammad died in 632. And then his wives did not remarry after his death. In 610, this is a key event in Muhammad's life. So when he was 40 years old, he was in a cave praying and was visited by uh, the angel Gabriel and began receiving revelations from Allah. And those revelations then make up the Quran, 114 chapters. And uh, the Quran is believed by Muslims to be the very words of Allah dictated to Muhammad over a period of 22, 23 years. Now, key is the role of Khadijah in these visions. She was not with him when he had them, but she, her interpretation of who was visiting Muhammad was key. In other words, when Muhammad first was visited in the cave in 610, he believed he was being visited by demons. 
and he was very afraid. However, Kadijah told him, oh no, those were not demons, that was the angel Gabriel, and you are receiving revelations, direct revelations from Allah, so you better uh, note these and memorize them. And so uh, with uh, that advice of his wife, that uh, he should accept these uh, visits as visits from Gabriel and not from demons, then Muhammad got in line and accepted her advice in that matter. It kind of, uh, in that way, reminds me of things that happen in the Garden of Eden. Maybe it would remind you of that as well. All right, now I want to also talk about with Islam why Jerusalem is important, because Jerusalem has become kind of a battleground, if you will, between Islam and Judaism and, to a lesser extent, Christianity, but nevertheless, Christianity as well. So why is Jerusalem important to Muslims, to Islam, if Muhammad did not live there? Muhammad lived in Saudi Arabia, with modern-day Saudi Arabia. Well, Jerusalem's important because they believe that in 621, there was a thing called the night journey, that Muhammad took a night journey. He traveled on the back of a winged horse-like animal to Jerusalem, to what we, uh, what Judaism knows as the Temple Mount, and uh, what uh, Islam calls Al-Aqsa, and so uh, there, uh, from there, he traveled to heaven and talked in heaven with various Old Testament personalities, including even Jesus, who they Muslim Islam views as a prophet, and talked to God, to Allah Himself uh, there. You can judge for yourself whether you believe that happened or not, but nevertheless, that is the teaching of Islam, and that is why. Jerusalem and that uh, mount is so important is the third holiest site in Islam because from there uh, Muhammad took his night journey to heaven. Uh, so they've built Al-Aqsa Mosque there on the mount and also built the Dome of the Rock. The Dome of the Rock is not a mosque. The Dome of the Rock is a building to commemorate, to memorialize the night journey. What happened on that night journey, a key thing that happened is that Muhammad talked with God, bargained with God, and uh, bargained God down. Uh, God had told, Allah had told uh, Muhammad that uh, there should be 50 daily prayers. That's a lot of daily prayers. You wouldn't get much else done. And so Muhammad bargained with God and, and, and bargained him down to five, to five daily prayers there on the Temple Mount. Well, if you're familiar with Old Testament scriptures, you uh, might be saying that sounds a lot like Abraham bargaining with God about the uh, destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham bargained God down to if there were at least five righteous people there that God would not destroy the city. Well, of course, there were only four righteous, and so God destroyed the cities. But nevertheless, it's a very similar account to the experience of Abraham and God bargaining in the Old Testament. All right. Now, what are some basic teachings of Islam? We can't explore the whole religion in the course of a 15-minute podcast. But some basic teachings. Number one, <clears throat> the name Islam, the word Islam means to submit. And the basic teaching of Islam is that human beings are created to submit to Allah. That is our purpose in life, is to submit to Allah. I would contrast that with the biblical purpose for God's creation of humanity, the biblical purpose of God's creation of humanity is to have relationship with him, is to be his friends. Jesus says we are God's friends. And so our uh, purpose in uh, being created is to be friends of God, um, to glorify him, to honor him, to be his friend. Um, whereas in Islam, the purpose of humanity is to submit to Allah. Islam develops really out of 
um, Judaism and Christianity and the polytheism that was surrounding Muhammad at that time. So kind of uh, there was this mixture of Judaism and Christianity and polytheism that uh, Muhammad was familiar with. And uh, Islam was kind of uh, comes out as a rejection of those things, particularly uh, a rejection of polytheism. And of course, Christians uh, are viewed as being polytheistic because we believe in the Trinity. Uh, that is, we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, one God, three persons, that is uh, complete, completely rejected by Islam. In fact, all the writing around the Dome of the Rock, there's uh, Arabic writing around the Dome of the Rock, is directed against uh, that belief of Christians that God has a son, that God became incarnate, that there are three uh, persons, one God. All of the writing around the Dome of the Rock is a direct rejection of Christianity. There are five pillars, so-called pillars of Islam. The first is their creed. There is no God but God. That is, there is no God but Allah. And Muhammad is his prophet, is his messenger. So that's the creed, the shahada. Uh, daily prayers. We talked about the five daily prayers, times for prayer. Almsgiving, uh, specifically uh, two and a half percent of their wealth are supposed to be given in alms. Fasting during the month of Ramadan. And um, because it is a lunar, uh, they have a lunar calendar, Ramadan moves around during the course of the year. But nevertheless, fasting during Ramadan or the, the month of Ramadan. And by fasting, what is meant there is not eating or drinking between uh, sun up and sundown. So you can eat and drink after sundown. You can break the fast until the next morning and then fasting all day long. So you can imagine how difficult that is uh, to go without food and drink for all day uh, during the month of Ramadan. And then finally, uh, at least once during your lifetime, if you're able, a pilgrimage to Mecca. Mecca is located in modern day Saudi Arabia. So those are the five pillars of Islam. Islam, again, is, is a um, direct rejection of the triune God. We talked about that. And also, let me say this, that Islam, in Islam, there is no certainty of salvation. That uh, would be perhaps surprising to Christians. For Christians, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for us, paid the price for our sins, and therefore, by faith in Jesus, we can be sure that we are saved. In fact, uh, the book of 1 John, the letter uh, that John wrote, the Apostle John wrote, talks about us knowing our eternal life. In Islam, it is a works-based religion. And so, um, am I going to go to heaven when I die? They would say, as Allah wills. Uh, Allah will decide. And uh, I do my best, and then Allah decides uh, what happens when I die. So uh, very different than Christian-based faith and uh, an opportunity for Christians to witness to Muslim neighbors who are not sure of their eternity. Another thing I want to talk about with regard to Islam is the way that uh, religion and politics are joined together in Islam. We are familiar here in the United States with this idea of the separation of church and state that comes not from our constitution, um, not from the Declaration of Independence, but from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote. That phrase comes from that letter. Uh, we'll talk about that some other time on the podcast. But nevertheless, uh, that uh, Jesus did not come to be a political leader, that the kingdom of God is not of this world, Jesus said, otherwise his followers would fight. In Islam, the kingdom of God is of this world, and therefore the followers of Muhammad fight. Uh, Islam is spread by the sword. Christianity is not. When it has been, 
that has been a misunderstanding of Jesus' teaching. Uh, Jesus said, you know, if this, if, I, if this was a, a kingdom of this world, I would call upon my heavenly father. He'd send legions of angels. I would raise up my followers to fight. But the kingdom of God is not a physical kingdom in this world. Is it a spiritual kingdom in the hearts of believers? That is contrasted with Islam, where in Islam it is spread by the sword. Islam has teachings, not in the Quran or the Hadith, but uh, teachings that are very important in Islam. And those teachings uh, are called, you would understand them as Dar al-Islam and Dar al-Harb. What does that mean? The house of Islam and the house of war. So um, when uh, an area of the earth has not been ruled by Islam, it is the house of war. And so you go to war in those areas to claim those areas for Islam. Once an area is claimed for Islam, let's say Palestine, to use an example, once an area has been ruled by Islamic rulers, then it forever must be ruled by Islamic rulers. If it is conquered by someone else, in this case, speaking of Palestine, if the Jews now rule there, we have to fight against them because that land needs to be ruled by Islam. Can Jews live there? Can Christians live there? Yes. However, they must take on a dhimmi status. We would understand that as diminished, it's a dhimmi status, and pay a tax to live there. So they must be subdued to live there if they're going to live there. Uh, so Dar al-Islam, the house of Islam, that is uh, nations, territories that have been conquered by Islam. They are forever Dar al-Islam, the house of Islam. Um, nations that are not yet conquered by Islam, the United States, that is Dar al-Harb. And so that is the house of war. We're going to battle against the United States until one day Islam rules the whole world. So how do they rule the world? Through Sharia law. And so Islam uh, would desire to have Sharia law be put into practice wherever Islam conquers. So uh, what about democracy and Islam? How, do that, how does that work? Well, if you've heard what I've been saying, democracy and Islam don't go together at all because when Islam conquers a territory, Sharia law is put into place. Uh, there is no uh, voting on that. And if you're not Islamic and live there, then you must be under a diminished status. So look around the world. Where is the Islamic democracy? Doesn't exist. Uh, some might say, oh, well, what about Turkey? Uh, Turkey is a democracy. Well, is it? Take a look at it today and see whether that experiment with democracy worked in the, in the nation of Turkey. There are no Islamic democracies. It doesn't match. It doesn't fit with Islamic beliefs. So how about us in the United States? Various uh, entities are electing uh, Muslims to the House of Representatives, for instance. What are those people advocating? Are they advocating? Do they believe in democracy or not? Good questions for us to consider. A couple things as we close. Um, you might want to, uh, there's lots of books out there on Islam. An interesting read, I find all these actually interesting, the politically incorrect guides. Uh, they're always written in a kind of fun, outlandish way, and you have to kind of sort through and see what's true and what's not. But there is a politically incorrect guide to Islam and to the Crusades, and so it gives you some information that maybe you wouldn't find other places. These politically incorrect guides give you all kinds of interesting information. Uh, I love on the front cover, a uh, praise, quote unquote, for this book from revivingislam.com. 
so you can take a look at that if you see that on YouTube. Uh, also, another interesting read, I uh, love this guy, uh, Nabil Qureshi, uh, wrote a book called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. So he grew up as a Muslim and came to faith in Jesus. And it's about his journey to faith in Jesus. Nabil has now gone to be with Jesus in glory. And uh, so certainly miss him, but he is a great uh, search on YouTube to find some of the things that Nabil Qureshi said. If you can, uh, there's lots of uh, his talks out there, strongly encourage that. And finally, I want to encourage a book called A Wind in the House of Islam. A Wind in the House of Islam is a great book talking about how God is drawing Muslims around the world to faith in Jesus Christ. It's very inspiring. Uh, so I'd encourage you to pick that up if you can find it, uh, whether Amazon or wherever you might uh, find a book there and uh, read A Wind in the House of Islam. Uh, just a wonderful, inspiring book that will give you great encouragement as we see God working in the hearts of those he loves even in the hearts of Muslims whom he loves dearly and desires that they too come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Well, that's what we got for you today. We want to encourage you to write us at eaglesonthehill211 at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about this episode. Give us some ideas for other podcasts. We always uh, love to hear from you. Remember as we close that those who hope in the Lord, as the Lord says, will fly on wings like eagles. And we pray that God would be faithful as we know he will to that promise in your life today. Thanks for listening.